0: Um, I spent most of my week prepping for this, and um, Corby came up to me a minute ago and just told me to read the first verse, so uh, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, This is Genesis 1, 3, and that's it. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Uh, the New Testament reading is from Mark ten, forty six through fifty two. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. the blind man said, "Rabbi, I want to see." "Go," said Jesus, "your faith has healed you." Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord
1: Jesus Christ. Thank you Fisher. Most of you know that uh, our pastor Eric Youngblood is on sabbatical this summer, um, and so I want to say that every week to remind us to pray for him. Uh, resting is very hard work, as it turns out. Uh, resting means you have to stop doing all your favorite things and trust that God will continue to be God, and uh, and that's hard to do. So I want to remind us to pray for Eric, uh, and that the Lord would build his faith through this time. Um, we are also uh, working through Genesis this summer, Genesis 1 through 3 for this, this uh, time. And uh, we're going to take it slowly because that's fun and because there's a whole lot here. I mean, there's, I thought we were going to do what is written, but then I got into it and I kept wrestling. Nope, we're just going to go with the first one. So um, so a, there's a lot to, uh, to walk through and a lot of fun and, uh, and important Things in these very foundational chapters of our scripture. So, would you pray for me as we jump in? Father, we are really glad to be in your word today. Glad that you <clears throat> spoke us into being, and uh, and declared over us that we are uh, we are good. We pray that you would um, repair our. Uh, our ability to receive your delight in us, even as we listen to you speak to us today. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Mm.
1: So it's Mother's Day, which is fun. And because you had these babies and whatnot and raised them and, and went through all that difficulty, you get breakfast in bed which is compensation. (laughs) I hope that it was good enough. Uh, Does anybody, like in Mother's Day, you're sitting in the bed, here come the kids, do you see your mom, kids, do this? No, 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 stop, 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 stop. No, 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 no. Does that happen? No. It doesn't. You know when that happens? Happy birthday. Do Do you know that feeling when somebody sings happy birthday to you? And you're like, I don't want this right now. Please don't do that. I just wish I could find a hole. I'm, I'm seeing some people nod. And some people are like, no, not at all. It's a birth month. Have you heard of these? I celebrate it. Mother's Day is like this kind of earned thing. Like I did a lot. It's, a, it's, it's fitting that I should receive a day at least of, uh, you know, of acknowledgement here. Birthdays, on the other hand, uh, nobody's celebrating anything that you did. In fact, you kind of cause a lot of us a lot of pain. You're hard to live with. But we're still singing. Like people, in that moment, the people who know you best are so glad that you exist that they burst into song, and that makes you really uncomfortable. You're kind of doing one of these. Yeah, yeah, but no, stop. That's I can't handle it. You get It's a, like this whole mixed bag. Birthdays are really complicated. And I want to say, because birthdays... Express delight. And you and I are not good with delight. We're good with earning. I'm good with Mother's Day. I'm good with Father's Day because I earned this. I'm not so good with birthdays because it's just freely given delight. And that makes me really uncomfortable. Genesis 1, 3 says, and God said, and that's what I want to focus on today. Those three words carry what, uh, what older theologians would call um, the essence of all true religion. It was right there. And God said. Do you understand? Um, remember, we're going through Genesis. We said last week that this is a who passage, not a how passage. And so um, if you want to know like how neutrons and electrons decided to hang out together and create atoms, it's not going to be in this passage. If you want to know uh, if we really should have a young earth theory or an old earth theory, I don't think it's clear in this passage. You can deduce some things from this. um, But most of all, what this passage is talking about is who our God is. And that's the important thing. There are very few... um, hows that we need to hang on to in this passage how creation happened and this is one of them how it happened by God's word we got to hold on to that one that's a how statement that we are given clearly we need to hang on to it and I'll tell you why speaking creation only means something because of what God did not do okay You know, uh, there's been this thing in our country where people are doing something different when the national anthem plays. You know this thing? Can you nod? Yeah. Why does that stand out? Why has it gotten any attention at all? It's only because we have an historical understanding of what has happened in the past. Well, what always happens is this at the national anthem. And so if you do something different, it gets attention. Am I right? It gets attention. Okay, that's, all, that's the only point of that. When you deviate from what's expected, you are saying something. And that's what our God does right here. Last week I said that the, the first couple verses are, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, um, and, uh, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and, the, and the, uh, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Remember that part? And I said that if you are an ancient person, you know, thousands of years ago, reading this, this passage, what you would have actually heard ringing in your ears is the final countdown. Because like uh, the bulls used to play that before all their games. And that to me is like the ultimate pump up song, that and I have the tiger. And so you get like really excited. Here comes the thing because, in ancient times what they were expecting to happen, right? They have this ordered norm when we tell creation stories there is there are these ingredients a god there is the deep the sea of darkness and chaos that we see here there's uh, at least at least one god maybe other gods and there's like these primordial chaos creatures that and, and all these things kind of come together and the and the god has to do battle against them and probably most likely what happens is like one of their actual bodies, these these, um, eternally existing chaos monsters or divine beings, gets ripped apart, and that's what is what we see here. They rip it apart in victory and create everything we see, and then they decide, I'm a little bit hungry, I think I'll make man so that man can grow food and feed me. Okay, that's what's expected right now. And so, when you read the face of the 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 spirit was hovering over the face of the darkness, you're like, "Oh my gosh, here it comes!" And then the next words are, "And God said." This is wholly different than what was expected. It's completely a left turn. That's why it's been said that this is the kernel of all true religion. It's a kernel of everything true, every right and good way to relate to God. Where's where's the battle? This monster, the chaos monster, doesn't even show up until day four. And then he's just called one of the sea creatures that God rules over and has created. He created the sea monster. The monster wasn't coexisting with God and then they had to battle. None of that. Our God created that monster, okay? It's, it's all telling us who this God is and this is what is so important that our God created in freedom. Because he speaks creation into being, he is free. Bruce Waltke says, creation by word preserves the distinction of creator and creation. Creation is not an emanation from God, but it is a product of his will. All right. So remember how I said we got to ask every once in a while those mind-boggling questions where did it all come from? You just have to, sometimes you just got to kind of ponder those things. Where did it all come from? Where did all this stuff that I see come from? And so i have just given you the, the, the predominant ancient version, is that the gods were pre-existing, and then out of them, out of their very matter, comes what we see. And so in the Greek, um, the Greek, Uh, version the ancient greek myth of this uh eros and gaia uh are pre-existing right and they have babies and then those babies become all the things that we see but if that's the story that god told right here then it would mean that that we're that we're kind of an afterthought that creation is, is a bit of an afterthought. It's something that happened after. What do I do with this dead monster body kind of thing? Um, it would mean that we as humans are kind of just tangential. We're just there to, to provide a necessary service, that our relationship with the divine is one of, of need and dependence. It would mean that all the things that really matter are happening in the lives of the gods. It's kind of like being a kid. I was talking to my cousin and my, and my sister the other day at, at a table uh, at this family event. And one of my kids was sitting there saying, we were talking about finances and like, you know, all these kind of complicated. And my kid's like, wait, what was that? Hold it down. What was that happening? That's what life would be like. If this is the case, then like all the real stuff is happening from the gods. Like it's like being a kid in a grown up conversation. I don't know what, what a mutual fund is. It sounds important. Um. So if this is the way it happened, then all the real stuff happens with God and all this life is is kind of a shadow of what the real thing is among the gods. All this life is is a test. And just like in school when you take your test then it gets graded and crumpled up and thrown in the trash, that's what this life is. If we are created out of the being, out of the the substance of the gods. So if this life is a whole test... And it would pay to be the teacher's pet. Have you ever liked the teacher's pet? Have you ever liked anyone who kind of played that role? Have you liked yourself when you knew you were doing that? You're like, this is not my best life now. This is awful. Yeah, I don't think that's... That, and our God is saying something very different than that. He's not giving us the, you are secondary... Um, to the life of the gods. You are, your life is a test and it's going to be thrown away. It's a shadow. That is not what our God offers us. Our God speaks. So the other popular version of where all this stuff came from is actually similar. Although it has no gods, no divinity supposedly involved in it. So what you would, what uh, is most popular right now, right? In the thought world, for people who stop and think about these things is that, we're, we're materialists, right? That that all that we see is what is, and that is all. And this is kind of cool, because that means that like matter has been around for a long time, floating through space. And this is awesome. One time, this matter collected, and then after a long time, it blew up and sent sparks like all through the universe. And one of them landed on Earth, and then a plant ingested it, and then you ate that plant, and so you have. A supernova in your eyelash that's cool that's what makes you matter because all this amazing like uh, what are the chances that you would be sitting here now when there are all these just little molecules floating through the infinite space but then somehow some way uh, given the enormity of time they've collected here and you've got consciousness and now you're here and and you know you your chin was once you know a hundred million light years away that's so cool that's what makes you matter, if you think that accidents matter. So, like, if that's what the way things are, first of all, that means matter is eternal, and anything that existed from eternity past, we call God. So, materialists are not, like, scientists. They're philosophers, right? They're, they're making some, subs- some guess. It's a religion but they call it science. That's okay. You can do that if you want. You're just changing the name of words. Who cares? It's, it's still just as much as a religion as what we're doing here, except we have the grounded word of God. So why does, you know, so what if I've got like, you know, the chin of a supernova? Um, why does that matter? If I'm just an accident, if the world's just an accident, then like, Let's kill the oceans. One use plastic. Go for it. Who said that oceans are a good idea? Nobody. It's an accident. Who said that having like blue whales is cool? I don't care if there's blue whales. It was an accident. Who says I got to live my life anyway than what I want to? Nobody. I'm just an accident. I'm not going anywhere. So our God is setting himself up starkly against these views of life. Okay, so do you, are, we, are you seeing why we po- picked like three words to deal with? Because <laughs> there's a lot in these three words. And God said, you're not an accident. You're not a byproduct of the gods. You're not secondary in that way. He spoke. He spoke it into being so he's above and outside of his creation. It didn't come from his body. His matter did not make creation. He is separate from his creation. He's not tied to his creation and dependency. He doesn't need anything from us, like we'd said in our affirmation of faith. So get this. This is why it matters. He spoke and he created you on purpose. This is why it matters. He did it on purpose. He did it out of his own will. He did it in delight. In delight he created. He said that his creation is good. He assessed it and said, I like this. Delight is structured into the very fabric of existence. What Delight is part of what it means to be here, to be alive. Where did we come from? We came from delight. You know that scene in What About Bob? When <laughs> he's eating? Oh, mmm. Oh, my. Oh, it's so good. Oh, mmm, mmm. <laughs> best part. He picks up the corn. Mm, mm. Oh, mmm. Oh, no. Oh, Faye. Oh, is this corn hand shucked? Oh, <laughs> best line. Bill Murray, classic. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the main character uh, can't stand would you please be quiet, Bob? He can't stand delight. He doesn't like it. Don't delight in my presence. But Bill Murray, all he's doing is saying, I delight in this. That is delight. He's a loud eater because he delights in the food. He would have the same reaction to the birthday song. Oh, yeah, yeah, birthday. All right. Mm, come on. And most of us would say, would you please be quiet, Bob? You're supposed to be embarrassed and like slink away into a hole when somebody sings you the birthday song. Don't you know that? That's what it's about. The birthday song is about delight. It's because our relationship to existence is not what we produce. It's not what we accomplish. It's not because we're tall enough or smart enough or good-looking enough, all things that describe me. But it doesn't have to be that way for you. Elohim, the God of the universe, thought you up and he created you by the power of his word on purpose and he is glad. He's glad. And he invites you to receive his delight in you like opening a present from your favorite grandparent. Oh, yeah. He gives it to you. There's this great story um, in in the Gospels in Matthew where uh, Jesus is teaching some important people and then some children run up to come see him. Y'all remember this story? The children approach and who stops them? Those guardians of truth and all things important. The disciples stop them. Don't bother the master. He's busy right now. And What does Jesus say? Don't you ever keep them from me. Don't you get in the way of these children. And he invites them. He stops what he's doing. What's real is not going on in the world of the gods or the world of the adults. He stops what he's doing with those adults. And he looks at the kids and he invites them to him and he blesses them. And get this, the God who spoke matter into being laid his hands on those children. And they didn't have to worry if they said the right thing. Do I need to? What do I need to say to Jesus? What do I do? Do, I do Well, how do I approach? They're not. They don't have to worry about that because it's delight. It's not expectation. It's not need. It's not coercion that God relates to us by. It's by he relates to us by delight and welcome and come to me and let me bless you and put my hands on you. And you know it's okay. It's okay to be the kid in this story. As you put yourself in this story, which we're intended to do, you don't have to be the disciples who get it all wrong. I'm stupid. I always get it wrong. You get to be the kid. You get to be the child who runs to Jesus, not worrying about what I'm going to say or do. God relates to us primarily through delight. He spoke us into being on purpose, and he's glad. He's glad. Secondly, and very briefly, he spoke, and that's also important because it's not, it wasn't an emanation from him, it's not part of him. He's separate from his creation. He spoke, Ed Clowney says this, when God speaks, it is an oath because his word is immutable, it's unchangeable, and it's sure. Implicit in his speaking, hidden in his speaking of order is his maintaining of order by his faithfulness. So God, by the very act of speaking, can't undo what he just did. He just made order, he made a place fit for life, he declared it good, and he can't undo any of that because he's God and because he can't cross himself. You know what the four most awkward words in the human language are? Want to be best friends? Do you you want to be best friends with me? Well, goodness gracious, I got to think about that one. I mean, how do you respond to that? Do you know why? Because in the speaking, there's an oath, right? In the saying it out loud, there's all these expectations. As soon as you say yes, you're taking an oath to be best friends. I thought best friends spend every Friday night together doing what I want to do. You're not being my best friend. You know, you got all these expectations that are loaded into that. And so you don't want to jump into that too quickly, right? That's kind of like, that's a big-time commitment. God turns to you and me and he says, I'm creating you out of delight, out of happiness. And I'm so happy that you're being. And do you want to be best friends? Do you want to open this gift called delight that I'm giving to you? Because I will always keep up my end of that bargain. He takes the vulnerable spot. He puts himself out there. And he offers himself to you. And because he has done that, because he has spoken, because he has Made an oath by his word, by his spoken word, he will never leave you. He will never leave your life to slide back into chaos and disorder. He will never abandon you. His delight and his oath means that he is for you. He chose to create and he tied himself to his creation. He bound him Tighter than an old lady walking down a scary alley with her life savings in her purse. You're not going anywhere. He has tied you to himself. So what? Why does it, why does it matter? I think the main thing this does is answer the do I matter question. Do I matter? Am I an afterthought? I think that's a good question on Mother's Day. Do I matter if I'm not a great mother? Do I matter if I couldn't become the mother that I wanted to be? Do I matter if my mom didn't really like me? Do I matter just because of what my mom says? Our moms are... uh, Answer that question for us pretty pretty distinctly. But our God says before all that, rewind. Take it back. I created you on purpose out of delight. And I'm happy that I did it. That's the do it that's the answer to do I matter. Now you get to take the risk to delight in others. Right? If you're always asking the question, do I matter, then you're always focused on yourself. But if that question is answered and God delights in you, you get the chance to delight in others. To be genuinely glad with them and for them and that they are. The last thing i'm going to say as far as a um application is is uh the practice of silence this is one that eric young has taught me a lot about um and i want to uh encourage you to begin to investigate what this would look like because in silence you're not praying the right prayers you're not accomplishing anything important you're not even having all the right theology You're only sitting there and saying, God, I guess if you really do delight in me, then you'll come near. Then you are near. Silence, the practice of silence, weans us off of ourselves. It weans us off of being producers, uh, being people who accomplish things, being people who contribute, being people who are important. Because the child can do silence. The physically disabled can do silence. The mentally disabled can do silence. You're not that big a deal. You can sit in silence with your God and receive His delight in you and be weaned off of accomplishing. One of the prophets says this. I'm going to close with this. The Lord our God is with you. He is mighty to save. The Lord will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with loud singing. I want to take about 30 seconds of silence. Just pray some simple prayer and be quiet before our God. Lord, I am here. You are here. Heavenly Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let's be quiet before him now and receive his delight. theologian has said, God's movement towards creation is unceasing generosity. The response of creation is extended doxology. Let's worship him now in response.